So thank you for the opportunity. I was hoping, and uh, and uh, I want to tell you, share with you guys how important it was for me to come up here this weekend. And on the way up the mountain, uh, you know, my it shattered our marriage. It wasn't over, but I mean, it was over. And uh, in our small groups, are going around the evening before, and he spoke. Oh, I thank God for my family, wife. I'm glad to be here. This and that. And it came to me, and I said. This is my last-ditch effort, walking out of here, leaving my Bible here. God left me behind. My marriage of this and that, and his eyes got three times the size, and everybody's looking at me, and they're stunned. And uh, so I was asking for help, and uh, I have gotten help. But uh, that night, and of course, I'm crying more than I'm talking today, and I talk a lot, big mouth that I have. But... Uh, you know, I appreciate all the help here. I, I let loose early because I knew I needed some help. I, I could to say anything till Sunday noon, like he said, you know. Now is not the right time. It's a problem. But everybody stood by me. They prayed. They listened to my story. Rob gave me a book here, and I started reading it yesterday. And now I know where my wife gets the terminology. Uh, you just don't get it. So every other paragraph was you just don't get it in this book. <laughs> <laughs> and I've asked her for a long time to write it down, and she's tired of writing it down. And just before I came up here, uh, I expected her to be living at the, or I'm, she's moving my stuff to the beach, and she's staying in the house in the valley. I kind of expected, uh, yeah, I, that might be an exaggeration, but that was brought up from my wife, who never says these kind of things. Well, she usually stick it to the end. And, uh, and, and I guess I haven't gotten it all this time, but with all the help of you guys here, all of a sudden yesterday morning, a peace came over me, I was reading and talked to every one of you guys here, were so gracious to me, and, and I knew that. I've, you know, I've been to many retreats, and uh, it just seems like uh, this was the one for me. So I, I'm going back with a different heart that Mike Cook tells me. I mean, I, I wrote out, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd be crying now, but I think I just don't have any tears left. You know, every time the other night, Saturday night here, I mean, gee, what a message he gave me. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I had to go outside to cry, you know. But uh, it was just just great. So, you know, I appreciate all the guys. So, And, and my wife is real nice, real nice, a godly woman. And I go home, and and every time I come from a retreat, of course, the first three weeks, like I was praying out there, is great. But, you know, I get back into my business world and this and that, and then before you know it, it only takes five weeks and I'm back to the same thing. So that is my prayer, and I know you guys prayed for me and continued to do that. So besides making a plan, a business plan, like I was telling Mike Cook, you know, I'm going to go home, start with this, 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 and he keeps impressing on the heart. So uh, I just want to thank all of you guys, and I'm sure all of you just saved our relationship mm. with that. Because I, uh, I mean, I don't want to give up on it, but I was going to because it was just easier to, you know, I sometimes have a big mouth like I tell her, you think I'm going to be in a bad shape living in the Marina Del Rey in the towers there and alone? I mean, come on. You know, I shouldn't have said that, but... Uh, you know, but uh, I would be, I would be. You know, we've been 36 years marriage, raised four kids and two grandkids. 
So uh, I appreciate everything, and you know, I think I, uh, I I did explain to our group in the cabin why I was throwing the Bible down because I did hear a message from Rocky Peak on the prior Sunday, and it was directed at fathers. What have you done for your family? Are you there? Do you take them vacations? Do you minister to the boys? Do you take them? Well, like I told my, I have a business, and I was. I'm sad to say my second or third child, his second year at Grace Brethren High School, I didn't know what high school he was at. Any of them where they went to school. My wife kept moving them. I'm sure she told me. I know she told me. But I mean, I worked 20 hours a day, seven days a week for all those years, which was sad. But, uh, but uh, I know. So that's when I said, I'm not coming back in this church. I'm, can't, I'm going to stop payment on my ties check. I was pouting when I left Rocky Peak Sunday. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's kind of what started a little riff with my wife. I didn't say anything the rest of the day, and we were already a little rocky, you know. But, uh, but with the guys on the boat, I mean, the boat, the cabin, and all of you guys got me through that. So my faith is stronger. I'm going to stick to the itinerary. I got guys' phone numbers which I hadn't used before. I mean, I always left these with the phone numbers and thank you, pray, and never saw them again. But uh, you guys put them in my phone, so it's there. And I gave you my phone numbers. And my brother-in-law, I just thank him. And his family always brings me. My brother-in-law, Jimmy Solis, is always next to me. And, that, and I just want to thank you for this weekend. And you guys just did an awesome job. And I'm going to go home and be a different husband. And, and, you know, I blame her. She blames me. But I see now. I mean, I was always thinking, well, you, you have so many issues. You have so many issues. But after here in the book, it seems like I have the standoffish issues. You know, and the man needs to uh, take charge first off. But, Amen. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, you guys. Thank yeah. you. So just in case you didn't know, they ran out of cabins, so that one group had to go on a boat. <laughs> just how it worked out. Just how it worked out. It's a little dry, but they made it. So if you would, just stand up, everybody. I'd appreciate it if you put some hands on Brian and put some hands on Bob so we can pray for them. Let's pray before we start our time this morning. If there's anyone else you've been ministering to, ministering with, the same goes. Father God, thank you so much for the testimonies of your greatness. Thank you for the testimonies of how you work in the lives of men. Thank you for the testimonies, Lord, that we hear. We attribute it all back to you. God, you are so great. You're mysterious how you work in our lives. Your spirit is real, it guides, it convicts, it moves in us. I pray for these two men, Lord, that it continues. That, Lord, it doesn't end after this weekend or it doesn't end after three weeks, as Bob said, but it keeps on going, Lord, that they finish well. Boy, what a message that is, finish well. We want to be men that finish well. Thank you, God, for what you've done through all these men. Everyone standing is part of men's ministry. 
We had a few stand up, Lord, for a particular purpose, but now they're all standing up, and I want to say thank you for each and every one of them. Lord, thank you for the call you placed on their lives. Thank you for the ministry that you placed before them, the good works that are laid out, Lord, that I pray that they walk in. I pray that they continue to seek you first with everything. As your word says, seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, Lord. And that, Lord, you would grant them wisdom, discernment, patience, endurance, mercy, grace, love, all those wonderful things, Lord, especially that your, the fruit of the Spirit provides. Let it be seen with their family first, their neighbors, their work co-workers, everyone that's in their lives, Lord. And again, all of that would be attributed back to you. So God, we praise you this morning. Thank you for the time we get to spend together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Huh? No. Go ahead. Go ahead. I wasn't on the uh, sharing list, but I feel like I need to. Um, just this whole weekend's kind of touched the whole tapestry of my life. Um, I grew up in a pretty vibrant Lutheran church, real active, um, loved the Lord. And about the time I got to 19, 20 years old, a lot of stuff uh, started going wrong. I always wanted to have a career in law enforcement, and I found out I couldn't do that because I was born with a hearing loss. And they wouldn't take me. And then uh, my parents went through it. We're going through a divorce. Uh, my dad committed suicide when I was 22. Um, so my whole 20s kind of became a big dip that I related to Rob. So thank you for your sharing. Um, about the time I moved back to California when I was about 32, um, wanted to get back with the Lord. I knew I had to. And uh, got involved with church. Got involved with a little bit of ministry, but I kind of reached what Ron was saying with the flatlining and what Rob was saying with the being a consumer. And I was that way for a long time. I mean, it was just, you know, came, had my light on one day a week and left. Um, and then there was a turning point for me, and it was an event I didn't do. It was the uh, hurricane in Joplin like six years ago or so. And one day in church, there's a slideshow with this group of guys that went to help rebuild, clean up, serve, whatever they could do. And I thought, wow, I didn't even hear about that. I wasn't given an opportunity. And that was when I realized I was out. I was not on the in list. I wasn't serving, so why would they ask me? And that really bugged me. So that kind of made me want to get involved. Um, started serving on some ministries, ushering. Uh, I was in a Top Gun class that Wes led. And, uh, you know, kind of built and just decided I wanted to be in. Um, so looking for more and just building on that. So you have to kind of be progressively active. You know, when we're talking about in, um, you know, I want to be clear. Some of you guys that are non-believers or new believers, I'm so thrilled you're here. You know, Rob was talking about, you know, getting your toe wet, and he wants to be surfing. I'm happy you're here getting your toe wet, you know, and you're at least 
seeing what other guys are doing. So uh, get involved, get active, come to prayer, sign up for some ministries, and uh, just grow in your faith. It'll help. Thanks. Test, test. Am I off? Am I on? Good. Wow. 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 Thanks for sharing. Good weekend. Very good weekend. We talked about uh, ushering, guys. We talked about life groups. Uh, the mission of the church is really to get everyone involved in life groups. That's what we love to see. Men's ministry is really going to be taking place in life groups. Discipleship is going to come out of life groups. For the men that aren't involved in life groups, they'll still have an opening to get into those groups. But really, the push is going to be to get them into life groups. We have a new program that we're kicking off in the middle of September. It's like Top Gun. We're trying to come up with a name for it. We don't have a name for it. But it's really just foundational training for men. So if you feel like you don't know enough or maybe you need to know more, you want to know more, and that's been holding you back from getting in a small group or being involved, you can come into that. And there'll be great training. It's just like it's going to be basically like Top Gun, um, but it'll just give you a foundation. And then from that foundation, we're going to then push you towards life groups. We're going to try to help the life group leaders. I don't know if you know, everybody knows Chris, right? Chris, could you stand up for me, please? <clears throat> He's been helping out. He's been behind the scenes all weekend long. Um, thank you, Chris, for everything you're doing. But he oversees life groups. He's one of the pastors at Cornerstone Moore Park, and he oversees the life groups. That's his task. So he works with all the leaders of life group. Our heart is to help the leaders in the life groups. Because basically we talk about the church as just people, right? A gathering of Christian people. So a life group is a church. It's a gathering of Christian people getting together, and they're doing those one another's that we talked about that are in your book. So that's a big task for any leader. It's like, okay, shepherd this group. Watch after this group. Pray for this group. Disciple them. Look after their problems. Grab them in. Have meals with them. Break bread with them. And all those other things that are involved, teach them, train, equip, and all those things, they can't do that. They work 40, 60, 70 hours a week. They have children. They have wives. They have that home that we talked about that they have to minister in. So they need help. So men's ministry makes sense, right? We train men. Men get in there and they help those leaders. Men, they start new life groups so they can have those groups so our church can flourish. All those one another's that don't happen really well in a big group that happen so much better in a small group now can happen more because our life groups start growing. They become more vibrant. And that's the heart behind men's ministry. That's the heart of where we're going. We want to see all these things take place. We want to push that. We want to see ministry happening within the homes outside of the church so then we can be the lights in our neighborhood, so then we can invite the neighbors in, then we can invite co-workers in, then we can start having meals with others. Remember, outreach, evangelism, remember, discipleship. It happens like that. We outreach, we invite people in, we evangelize to them because we're studying God's word, we're talking about the Lord. They come to the Lord, we start discipling them. And so it goes. I also want to mention the, the other great opportunity in our church is Sunday night prayer. Our pastor is passionate about prayer. He invites you Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. I did a lot of talking about your home, being the leader in your home, ministering to your wife, ministering to the kids. This is a great way to do that. 
You can't bring your wives on Saturday morning. You can get to Saturday morning, but you can bring your wives on Sunday night. You can lead them in that way by your faithfulness in that. Lots of opportunities. Lots of opportunities. So we go down the hill, there's places to go. There's things to do. There's ministry to be had. You need to be involved, amen? Amen. All right, now last night I asked you to put on that that sheet that's on your door, either in or out, right? Everybody heard me say that? Yep. Okay, did anyone bring those sheets in? Frank, did you bring just yours? Yeah, just our. Okay, I need a volunteer that after we're done... And after we get a picture taken, did Mark, did you mention the picture afterwards? I did. You want to listen to what I was talking about? I wasn't listening at all. <laughs> you guys are all listening, right? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Yeah, Steve can't be in the picture thing. <laughs> okay, so after that picture that I guess Mark talked about at the beginning, after that, I need a volunteer to go gather up all of those sheets. Somebody in their 20s. Somebody in their 20s because it's up and down. Josh, thank you. So Josh will gather up all those sheets. And then if you have not signed or put on there, in or out on your sheet, please make sure that you do that. Okay, so they'll all be brought back here after the picture. They'll be put on the back table, if you would, Josh. Just put them on the back table there by the coffee. And then if you haven't, find your sheet and put in or out so everybody is marked. There's something in those boxes, all right? Seven. No, I, I take that back. There's six and one boat. Six and one boat. It's funny, I see a lot of people doing this. Chasing away the elephants, right? See any elephants? Must be working. You'll get it later on the way home. (laughs) All right. Let me pray for the message. Father, as we round off the weekend and we look to your word, and it's about going Lord, impress it on our hearts how important this sin and where it comes from. Lord, impress it on our hearts that this is from our Lord, that this is the task that was laid out. This is why we follow, so then we can go. Lord, instill with us your word. Sink it deep into our hearts, Lord. May, may it not just stick in our minds. May this not just be a bunch of knowledge, time of teaching, but rather a time of heart change. Convict us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 28. Turn there if you would. If you need a Bible, we have Bibles in the back, by the way. If you need a Bible, there's Bibles back there. Matthew 28, starting at verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, we know this passage. It's really familiar. This is a passage, the Great Commission, right? 
commissioning his disciples to go, to go out, to make disciples. He discipled his men so that they would duplicate, right? They would replicate. And obviously it happened because we have the word here. I don't know if you ever think about that, but if those 12 men just took the things that they learned, went back to their homes and just studied it and read it and learned maybe how to say it in different languages or whatever else, but never did anything with it, never went out and shared it with someone else, we wouldn't have it here today. We wouldn't have the Bibles and translate in our own languages. Other people wouldn't have the Bible translated in their languages. The reason we have that is because people have been faithful throughout the generations to therefore go. You have to remember that. Jesus says, follow me. Take up your cross, right? It's not going to be easy. Take up your cross. Deny yourself daily, but follow me. And then he leaves us an example of what it looks like to walk in righteousness. He leaves us an example of how we're supposed to live our lives. So he doesn't just say, follow me and leave us on our own. But instead, he gives us his word that we can see how he actually lived his life. The people that he ministered to. The people that other people didn't want to talk to, right? The people that he dined with, that he ate with. The people that were outcast in society. The mercy that he showed, the grace that he showed, the compassion that he had. Turn with me back a little bit to Matthew 9. Matthew 9, 35, towards the end of 9. And Jesus went throughout the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and the healing of every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. You might want to underline that in your Bible. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, and you know this passage, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. The idea here is that he had compassion on these people that were being misled. They were being misguided. They were being pulled to all different sides, taught all different kinds of wrong things, all kinds of false religions, all kinds of legalism. And this, this idea is that he had this gut-wrenching pain all the way down to his core, all the way down to his bowels, that he had this compassion on these people that he was looking down on. And then he calls to his disciples and he says, first, what do you do? What does he call them to do first? Pray. Pray to the God of the harvest. Pray to God Almighty. Pray that he would bring out laborers, right? Pray that he would supply people to go down and rescue them. That they would go down there and they teach them the truth. These helpless people that are being pulled every different direction except towards Christ. Pray. You know, a lot of times that's what we do. We, we meet someone that has a need or we meet someone that's floundering or we meet someone that's maybe caught up in a different religion and we say, oh, we'll pray for you. Right? Good thing. It's a great thing. But Jesus doesn't stop there. 
In verse 10, or in chapter 10, rather, he sends them out. He sends them out. It starts with prayer, but it ends with action. You get that? Verse 6 of chapter 10, it says, But go rather to the lost sheep of of the house of Israel. Go out. This work that I just brought to your attention, these people that I have compassion, me, the Lord, the King of kings, the ones that I have compassion over, I want you to pray about it, but I don't want you to stop at prayer. I want you to take the next step of obedience, and I want you to go to them. I want you to reach out to them. You see, you've got to understand Jesus' heart. And now, this is after the resurrection. He's coming before his disciples in the passage that we read in verse, or chapter 28. He's standing before them, the resurrected Christ. And he says this, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. You know, it's something when we get a a job or someone comes to us and they want us to do something, maybe even like when I ask if someone wants to go grab all those papers, right? Eh, Maybe I'll do it. You're at work and someone gives you something to do at work and maybe they're underneath you or even with you on the chain, if you will, and you have that decision, well, do I want to do it or not? I don't really need to do it. But when a boss tells you to do something, you know, if you want to keep your job and be in good standings, you have to do it. You see, it matters where the command comes from. It matters what the authority is that tells us to do something. Well, Jesus is making it very clear. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Listen, remember, I'm the one who heals the sick. I'm the one who removes the spots off lepers. I'm the one who heals the lame. I'm the one who can cast out evil spirits. Remember, I'm the one who can calm the storm. I'm the one who can forgive sin. I'm the one who can raise from the dead, like you did with Lazarus. I can give sight to the blind. And not only that, but I'm risen myself. And now I'm looking at you and I'm telling you that you need to go. That's a command, by the way. It's a command that's better stated as you go. Therefore, go as you're going. It's already assumed you're going to be going. We're going to walk out of this room. We're going to drive back home. We're going to get out of our cars. We're going to walk in the house. We're going to get up. We're going to go to work tomorrow. It's as you go. As you're walking through life, as God puts people in your life, make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So the command is given by one who has all authority. So I have to ask you this. Have you given Jesus authority over your life? You know, sometimes I counsel people, and it's like they come to you when the problem's so bad that there's no other way out. They come and they sit in your office and it's like, this is like a last-ditch effort. Let's try Jesus. 
My question is always, well, why are you coming for biblical counseling? Why don't you explain to me why you're coming to the church for counseling? Then I'll ask, how's your relationship with the Lord? Same things we talked about. You spending time in the Word? You spending time in prayer? Are you shepherding your wife if it happens to be a couple? Are you leading her? Are you reading together? Are you studying together? Are you praying together? Is there discipleship going on in your own household? And the answer, most of the time, is no. And I'm like, but you're coming for counsel in the church. You're coming to a Christian for counsel. There must be something in you innately that knows there's power there, but yet you're not grabbing that power for yourself. It's like you know the right things to do, but you don't do them. Man, do we struggle with that? I mean, the Lord put something on your life. Remember, I said, watch it. Don't, don't come up with excuses. Don't come up with reasons. The Lord convicts you. Be open. Just lay it to bear this weekend. Have you given Jesus authority over your life? Or are you just kind of putting them in your back pocket? You know, when I was a kid, I don't know if we still have this anymore, but I had a friend that had a kind of a get-out-of-jail-free card, right? It was a courtesy card, I think they called it at the time. And his dad was a police officer, so if he ever got pulled over, he could pull out his wallet and pull out this card and actually hand it to the cop. And they'd usually show him favor. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, some of you. Maybe I'm just old. But it was a courtesy card. And sometimes that's how we view Jesus. It's a card in our pocket, and we can pull it out when things get rough and when times get really hard, but the rest of our life, he's back there. It's like that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Paul in Ephesians 6 says, be, pre- be prepared for the battle, right? Fully, fully get yourself dressed up, suited up, put on the armor. Because there's a spiritual battle going on right now. Satan wants to pull you away from Christ. He wants to do whatever he can do just to get you busy and get your thoughts somewhere else and off of Christ. It's not going to happen if Jesus has authority in your life. It's not going to happen if you're clinging to him. It's not going to happen if you're listening to the Holy Spirit. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, right? Get the awe back. Remember that. Get the passion back in your life. Remember that. Put Jesus where he's supposed to be. Don't leave him somewhere on the back burner. Put him right in front. Give him that authority. And with that authority, he says, therefore, go. As you go through life, make disciples. Ron touched on what a disciple is. It's a learner. It's a follower. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. His example was, follow me as I'm following Christ. The things that I do should replicate what Christ did. Because I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of him. This is evangelism, men. The first step, evangelism. You need to know the gospel. You need to study the gospel. You need to have a testimony of how the Lord's worked in your life. If you don't have one, you need to write it down. You need to think about it. That Thanksgiving list, remember that? That list of thankfulness, you ought to look at that. The things that you're thankful for, you got to be ready to share that with someone else. The stories that we heard this morning, how God is moving, we got to share those with people, but we need to know the truth of the gospel. We carry around this message, the best message in the world. You know, when I travel, 
And if I go out of the country, I have to go to a travel doctor, right? That's what you normally do, especially if you take a lot of trips. So I go to my travel doctor, and I tell him I'm going to Africa. Well, there's certain things you have to do if you go to Africa. You got to get shots first. But in a lot of parts of Africa, you need to take pills for malaria. Familiar with malaria, right? So I go in the office, and I sit down and tell her where I'm going. And she gives me these pills for malaria. And she tells me how to take them. So what you got to do is you can take them two days before you go on the trip. Take them the whole time you're there, once a day. And then when you come back, you take them another seven days. Just how this particular medicine works. And if you take that faithfully, it can protect you from getting malaria. Because if you get malaria, it's really nasty. It goes after your organs. It can shut them down. And there's a good chance you could die from that, right, if it's untreated. So I go, and she has this prescription. It'd be really weird if I walked in her office and I sat down. And I said, hey, I'm going to Africa. I'm going to Uganda. What do I need to do? And she, what if she knew what I needed, but she didn't give it to me? What if she just kept those pills right there in her drawer and she never pulled them out? Be ironic, right? Wouldn't be wise, right? We see we have the message. We have the message of salvation. The message of truth. We have the good news of the gospel that we have better than these little pills that can just <clears throat> cure me from malaria or or take malaria away from me, better than that. Because we have a message that's about eternity. And just like it'd be strange if she didn't pull out that bottle and say, here, you need to take these. It's strange if we're not pulling out this good news, this message that we're entrusted with, and give it to everyone we come in contact with. It's evangelism. When Jesus called Peter and Andrew... They were fishermen. And he says, I'm going to make you now what? Fishers of men. I'm going to teach you what it means. I'm going to teach you the importance of leave all that stuff behind. Follow me because I'm going to train you. And so many of us have had training. So many of us have heard the gospel over and over. So many of us have this precious message that we're hanging on to, and we need to share it because it matters. We're talking about eternity. We're not just talking about a short trip over this overseas to Africa. We're talking about eternity. Therefore, go make disciples. Share this message that you know. Because I'm giving it to you with authority. Full authority. Go to Revelations 19. The same one that gave that command will come back one day. Only he's not going to come back the same. He's not going to come back as that little baby. He's not going to come back humbly. He's not going to come back getting spit on or a crown of thorns being placed on his head. He's not going to be despised. He's not going to be tried. But rather, he's going to come back with full power. That's Jesus. The one with all authority telling us to go out and share this news is going to come back with full power and make all things right. Look at how he's described, starting at verse 11 in chapter 19. It says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting, it is, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. 
His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dripped or dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of King and Lord of Lords. You see, people need to know. When Jesus returns, he's going to return with full authority, full power. He came the first time so people could be saved. The new covenant was made in his blood so that we would carry this message, so he would train up men. But don't be fooled. He's not going to come back the same way he came the first time. He's going to come back with power. We need to be concerned about those people that don't know him. We need to anguish for the lost. You ever think about that word anguish? Paul had this anguish. He says, if there's any way I could give up this standing I have before God for you, I would. Because I just anguish. I anguish with the thought of what's ahead of you. I anguish with the thought that you don't know the true Christ. I anguish with what you're walking into. I anguish with which that cliff that you're headed for. I mean, we need to have that kind of anguish for lost people. We have to understand that we're talking about eternity. We get all fired up about work. We get all fired up about the things of the world. Some of us get all fired up about sports teams and everything else. We need to get fired up about the Lord Jesus. We carry a message, a message that's not ours. We're under the authority of this book This isn't our message. This is Jesus' message. This is God's message. So then we, therefore, we go. It starts in your home, right? You're making disciples of your kids? You discipling your wife? You discipling your family? Do you have family members that don't know the Lord? Share the truth with them. Pray for them. Pray with them. Pray over them. That's where it starts. It starts right there. See, there's a reason we started with your relationship with the Lord because that has to be fired up. You've got to understand your standing with God. You've got to understand what salvation means. You've got to get fired up with that. And then you take that in the home and you start practicing what you know to be true. And you're different. You start loving as Christ loved. You don't love anymore like the world loves. You don't go after the things of the world anymore, but you start living differently, and it starts right there in your home. And that's where discipleship starts. It starts right there in your home. And it permeates out from there, right? It goes out to your neighbors, your coworkers. If you're in school, it goes to your schoolmates. All those that you come into contact with as you go, therefore you make disciples. You share the good news. It's not up to us if they accept it or not. That's God's work. But it is up to us to share it. Some people say, oh, I don't need to preach the gospel. I preach it with the way I live. That's not good enough. 
I hope that you preach the way you live. I hope that your light is shining for all to see. I hope you live in a way that's merciful and graceful to those around you. But they have to come, it has to come with words. People have to know about Jesus. They have to know about the truth of the gospel. It has to go a step beyond that. And it starts in your home. And it works its way out from there. So as you go, starting in your home, make disciples. He goes on and he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them into the family. It's a beautiful picture, by the way. A baptism is just a a proclamation of what you already believe. The baptism itself doesn't save you. The baptism is just obedience to the Lord because he tells us to be baptized, right? Repent and be baptized. So as you're leading people to repentance of their sins, telling them about the truth of Christ, leading them to the Lord, the first step of obedience and faith is being baptized. Some of you haven't been baptized and you need to talk to someone about baptism, please do, because it is that first step of obedience. And what baptism is, it's a picture of dying to your old self and then coming up new. Dying to your old self and coming up new. Being raised new, born again. That's where that term comes from, right? Born again. You're a new creation in Christ. What are you born into? The church. You're born into the church. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. You're a people of God. By God's saving grace, you're now part of the church. The church. The church. It's an exciting thing, right? Baptizing. So that's the first step. You baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then you teach them. That's discipleship. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, the things that you know about, the things that you're learning. Sometimes they'll ask you questions. You don't have the answers. You say, you know what? I don't know the answer for that, but I'd love to go back and look. In fact, you can come back with me and we can look together. This is why guys meet together. One of the reasons they study the scriptures, they dig into the scriptures to see what the Lord has for their life, what it means to walk as Christ, looking for that example in the pages of scripture, right? Teaching them. Starts in the home. Starts with you first in your relationship with God, seeking after him with everything, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. But then it goes over to your home. Are you teaching your kids? Are you teaching your wife? Is the word of God being proclaimed in your home? But as people come to the Lord and they're baptized into the family and they're brought into the church, you know, that's a beautiful thing about life groups, right? And it's one of the functions we talked about in the church. There's teaching on Sunday morning in the church. But that teaching, it all gets flushed out inside the life groups. Gets flushed out on a personal level, where you are, the season of your life life that you're in, what's going on, whether it's in your marriage or with your kids or at your workplace or whatever else. You start getting really personal when you get in these life groups and you get into each other's lives and you start applying it, teaching what it means to actually walk in a manner worthy of your call. I don't know about you guys, but that's exciting. I want to see our church go there. I want to see our church go there. I want to see more life groups. I want to see vibrant life groups. I want to see ministry happening from the life groups. I don't want men's ministry to be its own separate thing. Sure, we're going to have training and we're equipping men, but I want that to go into life groups. I want it to flourish inside of our life groups because I want people to grow together and go. Teaching. 
teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And he ends with this, a promise. And behold, he says, I am with you always till the end of the age. You see, the task that we talk about this weekend, it's not easy. And I know it's been said on different occasions throughout the weekend that you can't accomplish it on your own. It's the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. It comes from faith. It comes from walking in obedience, but it comes from that faith. It comes from the Holy Spirit. If you let him guide and direct your path, right? It comes from the word of God. Hebrews talks about the words able to convict you down to such a deep level. It shows you your sins. It shows you your errors. And the Holy Spirit works in that to change you as you read God's word. It works through other believers. The spirit working through other believers. Remember I talked about your wives. Do your wives say things and you just shut them out? The Holy Spirit works through them too. It works through your kids. Other believers, it works. That spirit just works through to convict, to change you, to help you walk through life. And God says, and I'm with you. The power that I have is with you to help you through this whole thing of making disciples. I didn't leave you on your own. That should be an encouraging thing, men, right? For we have a spirit of power and love and self-discipline that lives inside of us. It's not of timidity. It's of power, love, self-discipline. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is a spirit that resides inside of you. He's there to enable, to equip. When you're weak, then God is strong. God takes over. When you think, I can't go through it, I can't go and talk to that person, they're not going to hear me. Stop, pray, go talk to that person because God is with you. God is with you. Look at the front of your book. The passage that Brian shared, the verse that he shared. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Man, I started off and I said, we know what it is to be rescued from a fire, right? There's a fire out there. There's a fire out there. It's not right outside the door, but it's out there. And that fire is burning and it's unquenchable. It's going to burn for an eternity. And there's people that are headed right for that fire. And I pray that God gives you the passion to want to save them. You have that. You have the good news of the gospel. You have the saving message. We need to go. We need to be disciples that want to disciple and make disciples. We want to evangelize and share the good news, but we want to have just concern for those that are lost. Amen? We're a church. We're a church. We're a church, man. We want to see people come to salvation. What could be more important? The angels celebrate when someone comes to faith. Let's pray. Father, give us a passion. God, give us eyes to see that there's some out there that don't know you. But more than that, give us a heart of compassion to care.
Lord, well, I just want it to be an anguish. I don't, I don't want to rest. Lord, I want to walk in a way that's worthy of the call that you placed on my life. Jesus, I recognize your authority. It's all authority. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, has told us to go and make disciples. There's no argument there. But we need you to help us. Thank you for being with us. Keep us men that are faithful. Lord, help us to walk in a way that's worthy of the call that you placed on our life. Help us to see those that, boy, that you place in our lives, the opportunities that you give us. Help us to be bold in that. Lord, help us to understand the message that we have is a message of life. God, we love you and we need you. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.